Okay. I think the uh, topic was, um, anyone have the exact name, what it is? Buffy? Connecting the Gula of Purim and Gula of Pesach. There you go. Connecting the Gula of Purim and the Gula of Pesach. So, <coughs> the premise of the topic seems to be that there's some type of connection between Purim and Pesach. So, number one, we have to first uh, prove that that's true before we can even try to connect them. So, the truth is that... This year, it's very appropriate to speak about this, because the Gemara, when it talks about two Adars, Adarish and Adarshani, when we have a leap year, the Gemara asks, when should we make Purim? Should we make Purim in the first Adar or in the second Adar? Why? In the first Adar, we have a concept of Mitzvah Habol Yadchah or Zrizim Makdim and Mitzvahs. So, if it's Adar, and it's the 14th of Adar, so, let's make Purim. We have a mitzvah of Mikra Megillah, and Matanah Savyayinim, and all the other mitzvahs. And Drizim Makdim and the mitzvahs. Let's get it the first available opportunity. Let's chap the mitzvah. Or, the Gemara says, let's make Purim in Adar Shaini, in the second Adar. Why? The Gemara says, Smicha Geula Ligeula. Because we want to put... The Geula of Purim, the redemption of Purim, near Nisan, which is the Geula of Pesach. So should we make Purim in the first Adar because of Zrizim Akdim Mitzvahs? Or should we make Purim in the second Adar in order that Purim and Pesach should be 30 days away from each other? So the Gemara comes out, like we know obviously, that we do it in the second Adar. We make Purim and celebrate Purim in the second Adar, and obviously that this idea of Geula le Geula, putting the two Geulas near each other, overrides Zrizim Makdim le Mitzvahs. Now, we have to think about this for a moment, and the, there's a different Gemara. The Gemara talks about, we put these two Gemaras together, perhaps we'll see what the whole picture looks like. Gemara has a similar question, when should we blow Shaifer on Rosh Hashanah? During Shachris or during Musaf? So the Gemara says, what's the two sides to this, uh, to this question? Shachris, again you have the idea of Zerizim Akdim and Mitzvahs. Everyone gets up early, comes to Daven, Rosh Hashanah morning, so the Mitzvah, the first available opportunity. Or, says the Gemara, maybe we should do it in Musaf because there's a concept of Biroiv Am Hadras Melech. More people are there, the more covered it is for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sounds from the Gemara that not as many people were there for Shachris as there were for Musaf and Rosh Hashanah. That's what the Gemara seems to say. So, you know, Musaf time there's going to be much more people. And when you have a crowd of Raivam, of many people, it's a Hadar, it's a glory, it's a covenant for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So which one wins? Beraivam Hajas Melech or Zrizim Akdim Elamitzvah? So the Gemara says, really Zrizim Akdim Elamitzvah wins. Really we should blow Shaifer in Shachris. That's where Shaifer belongs because Zrizim Akdim Elamitzvah. 
Now, we don't blow Shaifer during Shachras, we blow Musaf during Musaf Shmanatsray, or right before Musaf. So the Gemara says, that's not its really its proper place. There was one time that there was a place that they were blowing Shaifer at Shachras, when they were supposed to, and the Gaim didn't chap what was going on, and they thought that the Jews were making a rebellion, and they had their horns, and they're calling everyone to come fight, and they went and they massacred many, many Yidin. So the Gemara said, because of that, Mishum HaGzeira, because of that one time, we're switching it to Musaf, and by the time Musaf comes around, and we're blowing the shaifer, the Gaim realized that we're in Shul, and we're davening, you know, they already woke up, they already had breakfast, they could think straight. Early in the morning, we blow shaifer, they get all nervous, they're woken up out of bed, you know, thinking there's a rebellion. So that's why we blow, and once it was already put there, even though there's no more gazeras, hopefully, we blow in, in, in Musaf. But really, where we should be blowing is in Shachras. Now if we think about it for a moment, the Gemara is telling us that Zrizim Machdim Ele Mitzvah to take a mitzvah and do it at the first available opportunity is even more important than Beraiv Am Hajas Melech. That's what the Gemara is saying. You blow during Shacharis because Zrizim Machdim wins over the concept of Beraiv Am Hajas Melech. Now why is that? Beraiv Am Hajas Melech Hashem's covered Beraiv Am the more people there is the more glorious it is for Him. So the answer is very simple. The answer is, Zrizim Magdim in Lamitzvah is a chizuk for every individual. A Zariz, someone who is a Zariz Bemitzvah, is a person who is concerned about making sure that they are Mekayim, whatever mitzvah comes to their hand, as soon as they could, and in the best way possible. So when a Zariz does a mitzvah, and he does it when he's fresh and excited, and at the first available opportunity, when he's finished with that mitzvah, he's a changed person. Because he's done something, he's done a mitzvah to the best of his ability. Beroivam hajas melech means that when you look at the big crowd, the crowd as a whole, in a big general number, shows more kavat HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But it doesn't mean necessarily that any individual grew from that. In a general sense, it's more covered, and there's that concept exists. But if we want to put the two concepts connect at each other and figure out which one's more important, the individual person growing, getting stronger, being the Shazik, Zrizim, Akdim, Mitzvahs, or the Raivam Hajas Melech, a big number, masses, more covered for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but not necessarily any individual growth, the Gemara seems to say, individuals win. Zrizim, Akdim, Mitzvahs, overrides Beroivam Hajas Melech. It's a very, it, that itself is a very striking concept. That means, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is willing to give up from His glory and honor for the chizik of the individual. Less people doing mitzvahs in a better way to HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes out more important. So Zrizim Makdim in the mitzvahs is an individual, a personal thing, and it overrides HaKadosh Baruch Hu's covered. Now let's look back at Purim a second. We had a question. When do you keep Purim? First other, because Rizim Makdim and Lemitzvah. Now we know Rizim Makdim and Lemitzvah is a very big thing. It even overrides Hashem's covered. Because the individual 
you nishazek from it. And the Gemara says, well, maybe we should do it in Adar Shani. Why? Smicha gula legula. Because we want to put gula next to gula. Something doesn't sound right here. Smicha gula legula won this this uh, equation here. We we make we have we celebrate Purim in Adar Shani because the psak is gula next to gula Purim near Pesach. As if that's more important, more important than Zrizim Akdim and Lemitzvus. Zrizim Akdim and Lemitzvus was so important, it overrode the Rebbe Majus Melech. It was more important than Hashem's covet. It's so important that the individual should grow, that we were willing to forego a big crowd of people, the Rebbe Majus Melech. And all of a sudden over here, it sounds like, you know, there's a puzzle. This is a gula, that's a gula. Put the two gulas next to each other, and that's overrides Rizim Akdim Elamitzvah. Something doesn't sound right here. Rizim Akdim Elamitzvah sounds like the most important thing in the world. And the answer then must be, very simple, that the chizuk that an individual is supposed to get from Purim, and 30 days later Pesach, is even stronger than what Zrizid Makdim and Lamitzvahs could accomplish. It's not just like a Jerusha and the Gemara. It's not just like two words that are similar to each other, two concepts, so let's sandwich them near each other. If Smichas Gula Lagula overrides Zrizid Makdim and Lamitzvahs, that means that the Chizuk that every individual could and perhaps should get from Purim and Pesach being 30 days apart is so strong, remember, if, 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 if we would make it in Adar Aleph, it would be 60 days apart. 60 days apart, and we'd have Zrizim Akdim and Lemitzvah. But no. Gula the Gula is like a two-punch knockout here. That 30 days apart from each other, if you have both Gaulas, and you connect them, and you learn from them, and you put them together, and you're Nitzchazik on Purim from personally, every individual from Purim's Geula and then you come again within 30 days and you're Nishazik from Pesach's Geula the growth that a person could get from that is even stronger than what Zrizim Makdim and Lamitzvah could accomplish so we see clearly from here that number one there is a connection and it's not just any connection it has to be connected. The whole idea why we make Purim in Adr Shani is to connect it to Pesach. If not, we should have done it in Adr So if we don't connect it, if we take a Purim, end. Now, take a break. You know, relax for a couple weeks, then you start Pesach, and you start cleaning, and whatever else you do, and then you wake up at the Seder, and you know, Purim is like a long-ago memory. You know what I mean? You already got rid of all the extra Shalachmanas, because all Chalmets anyways, it's gone. Who remembers Purim? And Chazal is telling us, we put Purim in Adr Shani in order that you should have it connected to Pesach. So you see clearly there's a connection. Now what... What is this connection? So, it seems to be very simple, the connection. Purim was a geula, the derech nista. The nice nista. The whole yontif of Purim, when you read the Megillah, look at the story, if you would take somebody, you know, who never heard the Purim story before, and give them the Megillah to read a couple days before Purim, and tell them this is 
unbelievable miracle that happened and we have a whole holiday and we celebrate and we're happy and so on and so forth. Read it and you'll, and you'll see everything and you'll know everything about Purim. You'll see the whole uh, holiday. You'll see why we're so excited. They would take it and read it. Well, what happened? What happened? Well, king was drunk, got angry at his wife, he killed her, found a new wife, right? Then, and then uh, his advisor is jealous of the other guy, wants to kill him, you know, back and forth. The wife comes, kill this one. You know, if you, if anyone ever went through a little bit of history, any, through any of these uh, royal families in the Middle Ages, this is probably my Simbachal Yayim. This one's plotting against this one, this one's plotting against that one. He likes his wife, doesn't like his wife, you know, whatever it is. This is, what, what was the big story? I mean, it wasn't such a major nace. But the truth is, as hopefully we know, that it was a nace. For whatever reason, Mordechai and Esther, when they wrote down the Megillah, probably the Mepharshim explained because since it was accessible to the Goyim, it was written down in the, in the uh, books of Malchim Modei Uparas. So they had to be very careful how they wrote things. And um, therefore, they wrote it in a very powerful way. But as the Grah and the other Mepharshim point out, that from the first Pasuk, by Yibi Meach HaShverish, is already Nisim going on. From the very first Pasuk, you could already see HaKadosh Baruch Hu running the show, and the Nisim that go on, till the very last Pasuk. Every Pasuk in the Megillah is another nice. And in fact, that's the reason why we have to read the entire Megillah. The Gemara says, it has an argument. Where does one need to start reading the Megillah to fulfill their obligation? One opinion says, you start from Balaylahu Nabdazashnasanalah. A very short Megillah, maybe ten, fifteen minutes, it would be the whole thing to be finished. Other Mandamar says the other opinion says, No, you have to start from the third parak. When Haman went up to, when ascended to his uh, greatness, Gidal Hamalakashverish. Another opinion says you have to start from Ishihudi, from Mardchai. And the last opinion says you have to start from the beginning, from Akashverish. And the Mavarshim says, this is a very interesting uh, Gemara. You know, there's, you have a Megillah here. It has a beginning, it has an end. So, why all of a sudden are we wondering like, what parts you have to read? Read the whole thing. Megillah's Rus on Shavuot, right? So, one could argue and say, the important uh, parak is the last parak when uh, Ruth goes to Bayaz and they get married and finished. Malchus based David. I need to know the whole story about a famine. I need to all know everything. And yet we don't find anyone who come along and say, where do you have to start reading Megillah's Ruth? From the beginning, from the third parak. You read the Megillah. It's a Megillah. It has a beginning, it has an end. Read from beginning to end and finished. Why all of a sudden when it comes to Megillah's Esther, do we have uh, an argument where one needs to re- start reading? So Mepharshim explained very simply that we read Megillah's Esther not because it's one of the books of Tanakh. It's not, not because it's one of the Sifrei Tanakh. And in fact, and in fact, they were already reading Megillah's Esther when Mordechai and Esther made an obligation on Kalaisel to read the Megillah. It was before Megillah's Esther was even part of Tanakh. It didn't become part of Tanakh until the Anshik Nesas put it in Tanakh when they rebuilt the second base Hamikdash. Gemara says, who wrote Megillah's Esther? Anshik Nesas when they came back to Eretz Yisrael. To make something part of Tanakh, it's not so simple. Esther wanted it part of Tanakh. They said, we don't want it part of Tanakh, the Chachamim. They found the Pasuk. It wasn't so simple. Now what's going on? They were reading the Megillah the year after the Nes. They were reading it. What were they reading? 
were they reading? It wasn't part of Tanakh yet. The answer is they were reading Megillah Esther. Megillah Esther, which was not part of Tanakh. So what's the point of reading it? They weren't reading it because it's a Megillah. We read Megillah Rus because it's a Megillah. We read Eicha because it's a Megillah. Because it's part of Tanakh. They read, read Megillah Esther for one reason. Pirsum Hanais. To publicize the Nais. So now, there's an argument. If the whole reason we read it is to publicize the Nais, so where do you start reading from? Do we read from Balailahu? That's the beginning of the end. That's the beginning of the Nais. Do you start from Haman? Do you start from Marzchai? And we Paskin, you have to start from the beginning. Which means, that means that from the beginning already, Pirsum Hanais begins. Fayi that is already the beginning of the Nais. And that's why you have Mepharshim, like the Gra and others, that they start showing you from Pasuk Aleph how HaKadosh Baruch Hu is performing Nisim throughout the entire Megillah. But, you have to look very clearly into it. You have to look into it. You have to delve into it. If you look at it very superficially, like I said, looks like a wonderful story. Wonderful. What, what's the big nice? But when you start going into it and you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how he pulled the strings here, he was making refuah kaidem lamaka. He knew Klaiso was going to have a gezerah. And he wanted a Mordechai and an Esther on site to take care of it. But he has a big problem. Vashti's in the way. How do you get rid of Vashti? We got rid of Vashti. How are you going to get Esther? Akashverish hated Jew, hated Klaiso more than Haman did, the Gemara said. He's a bigger anti Semite. You're going to get Esther to be the queen? Leave it to Akadish He'll get Esther to be the queen. Once Esther's the queen, where's Mordechai? He cares for her so much, he's sitting right outside the palace. Mordechai, who was from the Sanhedrin, right, he took up residence right outside Chatzar Beis Hanashim. Chatzar Beis Hanashim was like a dormitory for girls, right? And it wasn't a seminary. Right? These were the girls who spent 12 months beautifying themselves to go live with the king for one night to see maybe be the queen. This was the epitome of Gashmias. This was the epitome of, I don't know what, of nothing. And the God of Adar, if anyone, you know, he used to be busy with Shilas, can you imagine one day going to Rav Shach or Rav Yashiv's door, and to ask a Shilam, there's a little note on the door, uh, Rav Yashiv now has taken up residence, Chatzar Beis Hanoshim 2, right? Right outside the dormitory of all, of, of, of every, uh, of, of all the girls. But that's what Marzat Tzadik did. Because he did not leave Esther for a second. So you have Esther the, as the queen. You have Marzchai on site. Now, that's the whole first two prakim in a very, 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 very small nutshell. All of a sudden, now, Acharad, Varmaila, now, oh, okay. Kaddish Baruch has the refuah set up. Now we can start things rolling. Remember, how long were they there for? Right? They were there for a long time. Right? She became... Queen. Shtem Esrei L'Machusai was the Gezer. I mean, for five years, nothing was going on. Esther was the queen. Mordechai has his residence in Chatar Beis HaMelech. And they're all waiting. What's going on? Why are we here? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the first two Prakim took seven years to accomplish. Fahid B'Meach till she became queen. With seven years of HaKadosh Baruch Hu putting all the pieces together. Which Apidar HaTeva could never have happened. And yet, he had it already. And that is how the Megillah is. Megillah's Esther is Kulay nice, but it's Nista. It's Klaizol and Golas. When we're in Golas, we don't see Nisim Guyim. We don't see, there's no Kriya Samsev going on. None of it going on. It's all Nisim Nistar. If you look closely, 
if you think about it, if you start seeing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you, you'll see Nisim. You'll see that everything is HaKadosh Baruch Hu around the world, Ashkach HaPratis. That's how he takes care of us in Golis. And in fact, the whole point of the Yantif of Purim was... The Mepharshim explained that Klaiso really wasn't sure if Hashem had thrown them under the bus. Remember, this was the first Golis we ever went into. Chorban Habayis. We went to Golis Babel. We're supposed to come back after 70 years. Achashverish has a cheshben. 70 years is up. Makes a party. We thought we're lost. We thought we're lost. We never experienced the Golis. And here we are in Golis. And it doesn't look like we're ever coming out. And now there's a Gzeira. This is the first Gzeira ever. The Gzeira, Lashman, Lahar, is called Yehudim. That's it. We'll make a museum, the Jewish museum, and finish. It's over. Klai Yisrael's finished. You know, Nabuch. We lost the base Hamikdash through our Averis. That's it. We lost our existence. And yet, Hakadosh Baruch Hu showed them that it's not like that. That in the Galus, like Masim, like Galtim, like Chalaisim, Love, Abrisiitam. That even when you're in Galus, I'm going to take care of you. It's not going to be like it was in the Beis Hamikdash. It's not going to be like it was in Eretz Yisrael. It's not going to be Nisim Gluyim. It's going to be behind the scenes. It's going to be behind the scenes. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to take care of us. It's going to be harder. It's not going to be so easy because we can't see it clearly, but He's going to take care of us. And that's the Yontif of Purim, it's the Yontif of Golis. It's the Yontif of Golis, and it tells us how HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of us through Nisim Nistah. That's Purim. We move on to Pesach, and Pesach is the exact opposite. Pesach is Nisim Gluyim. Pesach is the Esther Makas, Pesach is Kriyas Yamso, Makas Pechayrois. Pesach was our first Geula, but it was a gula of Yod Chazaka, of This was a gula of Nisim Gluyim. And both of these Hanhagas of HaKadosh Baruch who work in tandem with each other, they play off each other. As we know, the famous Ramban, and then the Parshas boy says, that a person, really HaKadosh Baruch who wants this world to run apiteva, so to speak. There's a way, there's a method to the world. In the Teva, HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of things. The problem is, the problem is that we just get used to it. And we don't realize that Teva is just a lot of Nisim, a lot of miracles that are happening either one after the next or continuously. And you get used to it. And you think that this is normal. Even the times of the Midbar. The Meshachachma says the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu told, told Moshe Rabbeinu put some mon in a little flask and put, it, and put it by the Aaron. Why? That everyone should remember that mon fell from Shemayim. Now the Meshachachma says when, when are we supposed to put this mon in the, in the little flask? I would think at the end of 40 years in the Midbar put it in a flask and we'll take it with us in Darius Yisrael and we'll always remember Mon fell from Shemayim. But it doesn't say that. It says in Parshas B'Shalach. Right when the Mon fell the first time it says put it in a flask so everyone should remember that Mon is falling from Shemayim. Says the Meshachach why? Because what's going to happen? Could you imagine if for 38 years Mon fell at your doorstep? You're going to think that's normal. You're going to forget it's an ace. It's normal. So you have a flask of months and say, no, remember this is not normal. This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu making it rain food. That's not normal. You can get used to anything. And that's the problem. We think we live in a world of nice, 
But Teva is continuous Nisa. So what does the Kaddish Baruch do every once in a while? He makes a nice Nigla and he shows that I'm running the world over here. I'm taking care of everything. And that's why I could change things. It says, The Gemara says, If a person recites Halal HaGadol, Halal HaGadol is the Halal we say Pesach night, and we say Yad Shabbos, Haidu Hashem Kitayv Kilam Chastay, all the 26 Haidu Hashem Odi Kilam Chastay. Halal HaGadol talks about Makas Bechayrais, it talks about Sichayin, it talks about all different miracles that Kaddish Baruch Hu did. So Gemara says, If a person says Halal HaGadol every single day, He's a mechar of a megadeth. He's like shaming and cursing out Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Ha'aymer tehila leDavid b'chal yaim. If you say Ashrei tehila leDavid Ashrei, Harayza ben Haylam Hava. So the Meshachachlan in the beginning of Parshas B'chukaisai says, Halul Hagadol is for big nisim, wows, things that are shalei kederakatava. If a person only says Halal HaGadol every day, what's he basically saying? I only say Halal for Nisim Gluyim. Everything else is Teva. Where do I see Hashem? I see Hashem when He performs big miracles. Makas B'chayrez, Kriyas Yamzuf. That's big miracles I see Hashem. That's a Mecharef and Megadeth. Why? What do you mean? You only see Hashem in big miracles? You don't see Hashem in your daily life? When he gives a person food, when he gives a person health, all these things, you don't see Hashem running the world in your daily life. You only see HaKadosh Baruch in big miracles. Ha'aymer Tila L'David, but Ashrei, Ashrei goes according to the Aleph base. That's, a, that's like a system. It's a cycle. One thing leads and follows to the next. That's how the world runs. The world runs also. It's a system. Things work in tandem with each other. But it's all Nisim. And that's that HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides food to people, to animals, to the world, sustenance. These are all things we take for granted, but they're all really Nisim. If a person says if he says Ashrei, that means he's Meshabeach HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the Nisim Nistarim, that's a Ben Oilam because then he sees HaKadosh Baruch Hu in every step of his life. So these, but every once in a while, Hashem needs an Ace Nigla. We need both of them. So, Purim is Nisim Nistarim, and Pesach is Nisim Gluyim. And they work in tandem with each other. But if we take it one step further, there's a reason why Purim has to be before Pesach. The lesson of the Nes Nistar has to come before the lesson of the Nes Nigla. And it's similar, it's basically the idea I'm saying here with the Meshachachma, that the Nes Nigla on its own, if you only see that, that's not a good thing. You have to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Nes Nistar. The Nes Nigla is only out to prove that the Nistar and Marnisa. We'll take it a step further. Um, we just lay in last week Parsha Zohar Parsha Zohar the story of Amalek now Amalek the Pasuk says right before that they came to they came to uh, they came to feed him and they didn't have any water to drink they, they complained to Maish Rabbeinu Hashem said to Maish take the stick and hit the stone and there'll be water the Pasuk says over there they called it the place Masa Umariva they tested Hashem, they fought with Hashem. What did they say? Hayesh Hashem bekirbeinu imayin. Is Hashem in our midst? Next passage says, Vayavaya Malik. So, it seems that there was some type of lack of Amunah here. They're wondering if Hashem is around. 
So because of that, Amalek comes to punish Kla Yisrael. Don't stop for a moment. You just, how, how long is it since Kriyas Yamsuf? A couple of weeks? I mean, how long is it since Dam, Tzvardeya, Makas Bechiris? You're wondering if Hashem exists? Hayesh Hashem Bechirbeinu? What kind of crazy question is Kla Yisrael asking? So the Mepharsh and the Nitziv explains, of course Kla Yisrael knew that Hashem exists in the world of Neis Negla. When Kla Yisrael is in a big tzara, and we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu to come along with a miracle, change the world, Kriyas Yamsuf, Makas Bechiris, of course Hashem is going to do that. But now, we're in our daily lives, we're in this place, and we're thirsty. Does Hashem take care of us that way also? Or does He leave us to the world of Tava? Is Tava, if you have water, you have what to drink. If there's no water, you're thirsty. That's it. Is HaKadosh Baruch involved in our daily lives, Bashkoch HaPratis, Beneis Nistar? That Klai so hadn't experienced yet. They didn't know anything about it. So now they come, they heard of Kriyas Yam, they were at Kriyas Yam, so now they come and they're thirsty, and they say, Yesh Hashem Bikirbeinu, is he even in my insides? Does he know I'm thirsty now? Is he going to take care of me? They weren't sure. So Amalek comes. Now, two things we have to understand with Amalek. Number one is that Kaddish Baruch doesn't just bring punishments to Christ. So everything is Mida connected Mida. So if Amalek is the one punishing us, obviously the lesson we need to learn is from Amalek. So number one, who is this Amalek? And what lesson are we supposed to learn from this story that is going to cure us of this problem? Now Amalek clearly doesn't believe in Hashem. They don't believe in Ashkach Pratis. They don't believe in Tava. They might believe in Kriyas Yamsuf. That might be. Every once in a while there's a Kriyas Yamsuf. That could be. But in the world of Tava, then there's a system to the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has no override on that system. The system is the system. How do we know that? Amalek was very careful. Who they sent to war? They sent to war only people, according to the astrology, who would never, would, could not die on that day. That's what they sent out to war against Kalar Yisrael. And they said... We know the Teva, this is nature, we're looking at the stars, these people are not supposed to die, if they're not supposed to die, that means we win. So that's who they sent out to war. They don't believe HaKadosh Baruch Hu has an override system. Asher Karcha Badera, Ta'amolik, everything is Mikra. There's coincidences. Things happen. Sometimes they happen in tandem with each other, sometimes they don't. There's no rhyme or reason for it. There's no HaKadosh Baruch Hu running the show. Let's fast go, you know, go backward for a second to Haman. Right? Haman goes to Achashverish upon the uh, advice of his dear wife and advisors to go hang Marzai in the morning. Right? Go early in the morning, she said. No one's going to be there. You'll go there. You'll convince him Marzai is a scoundrel and you'll hang him. Finish. You'll come to the Mishnah Sameach. So now, that's how they left him. Right? And they went to sleep. They wake up the next morning, and what do they hear? Trumpets in the in the uh, in the uh, town square, and they see Haman is leading Mordechai on the horse and screaming, So what's the obvious conclusion of what happened? They all concluded and said, Haman must have gone to Achashverosh and said Mordechai is a scoundrel. Somebody else must have been there who said, No, that's not true. Mordechai saved your life. Mordechai is not such a bad guy. And the king looked, Haman, the other guy, wait, as it says, Haman, you lose. Go, you know, go parade him through the streets. 
That's the obvious conclusion. If he's going to convince Hachashverosh that Mordechai needs to be hanged, conclusion is he lost. Right? So fine. Haman comes home and, you know, all full of his garbage, thinking the way he was. And they tell him uh, what, what happened. Everything that just happened. What does that mean? Haman said, no, no. You know, the story's wrong. I never, the king never decided me against Mordechai. I went there, and by coincidence, the king just happened to be waiting to honor Mordechai. So, finished. So, I was the one chosen to honor him. But I'm running back right now to go tell him that Mordechai is a scoundrel. I should hang him. He doesn't show anything that I was parading him around. The king didn't decide me against him and Mordechai should win. I'm still going to go back. It's Kalashar Karahu. This whole thing was a Mikra. It's all a coincidence. It means nothing. What did Zerashish they tell him? No. You're making a mistake. This is Jews. Jews don't have uh, coincidences. If you happen to be there on your way to tell him to hang Mordechai and instead you ended up parading him through the street, you better be careful. And Haman insisted no. It's Kalashar Karahu. And they fought. The Pasuk says, they were still speaking. They were fighting, and the officers came to schlep him to the party. Now why is that so important to the story? Because they heard Haman saying, no, it's a coincidence, I'm going back to hang Mordechai. And they were saying, you're crazy, Mordechai is winning, look at him, he's on his way up, you're on your way down. And the Sarisi HaMelech heard this. Why was that so important? Because in the next parak. He says, What do you mean, king? This is Haman who still insists to hang Mordechai, who you just honored. How do we know? Because I was there. I was there. When I came to bring him to this party, he was still fighting. He wants to hang him. That's why that's so important. But you see, Haman insisted, it's all karavu. Haman was a malik. There's a mikra. There's a teva. There's a nature to the world. It's coincidences. You don't see anything and finished. So when Kalah Yisrael says, Hayesh Hashem Bekirbeinu Imayin, when they question the existence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu running the world down to the last minute detail of, are we thirsty or not, do we have water, who's the one who comes to punish us? Amalek, the one who doesn't believe in Ashkach HaPratis, to teach us that problem. Now one second, okay. But how do we then learn our lesson? How do we learn the lesson that a Kaddish Baruch Hu does run the world? And we'll end with that. Let's think about the war. The Pasuk says, the war with Amalek. V'haya kashayari Moishas yadai v'gavar Amalek. V'gavar Yisrael. Kashayinich yadai v'gavar Amalek. When Moishas Rebbeinu lifted up his hands, Kla Yisrael wins. When Moishas Rebbeinu put his hands down, Kla Yisrael loses. Very famous Mishnah in Masech the Rosh Hashanah says, V'chiyadav shal Moishas, Isis Mochama, Shavis Mochama. Did Moishas Rebbeinu's hands make the victory or make them lose? No. Says the Mishnah. When his hands were up, Klaitsa were davening, they were davening and they were attached to so therefore we won the war. When his hands were down, we weren't davening as hard, we lost the war. But the obvious question is, why do you ever put his hands down? If when we have our hands, his hands up, we're winning because we're davening, what's he putting his hands down for? So the Mavarshim explained on another question. 
the, what's, what's the Mishnah asking? Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, do they make the war? These were powerful hands. Last time he lifted up his hands, the Yamsuf split. Then he lifted up again, and the Yamsuf went back together and drowned all the Mitzrayim. He still lifted up his hand, and there was Makas uh, Orev, Makas Dever, Makas Barat. Yeah, his hands were very powerful hands. What do you mean? The Chiyad of Shalmai could his hands make victory? Of course they can make victory. So the Mavarshim explained that this war was a very different war than Kriyas Yamsuf, Mitzrayim. Over there, Kleitzel didn't fight. It wasn't a normal war. You do nothing. We'll take care of it. But here, this war of Amalek had to be, quote-unquote, a normal war. Because we had to teach Kalah Yisrael about Teva, the normal world, Hashkacha Pratis in that world, and how you accomplish things with Hashem in the world of Teva. So what do we need? We need a normal war. So now the Mishnah asks, what's going on over here? Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, they make the victory? We're not talking about a war of Nisan Guyim. We're talking about a regular war. What are his hands doing? The answer the Mepharshim give is, yes, Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, they made the victory. But, only when his hands were raised. And his hands will only have the ability to be raised when Kalaiso was davening. When Kalaiso was davening to the best of their ability, his hands stayed way up in the air, and then those hands made the victory. What happened when Kalaiso got a little shvach and they stopped uh, davening with Kavana? When Shabena tried to lift his hands, they wouldn't go up. They wouldn't go up. They said, oh, everyone looked around. What happened? Hands aren't going up. We're losing. The hands make the war. But the hands only make the war if we provide the fuel to his hands with our tzvilas. And that's how Kleisel learned the lesson that even in a regular war with Amalek, the ones who don't believe in Ashkach Pratis, which, what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do to all those people who weren't supposed to die that day? Called the override switch. There's a world called Teva, but Hashem could just flip everything around. Right? The same thing He did with Haman. Right? Why do we call it Purim? Purim is a poor, right? The lottery. It's a funny name. We named the whole Yantif after Haman's lottery, because he made a lottery. Teretz says, Haman, why did he make a lottery? It's the same thing as Amalek. He picked the day that is the best day for Amalek. This is the best day for victory for Amalek, the 13th of Adar. Maybe it's a bad day for Kalei Yisrael too. This is Alpiha Teva. This is the day we're going to win. What is that? What, if, you, if you said that uh, after you lay in the Megillah at night, there's a thing to say, Asher Haini. It says, Poor Haman, Nepach Lepurenu. The lottery of Haman turned into our lottery. What a Kaddish Baruch to do with his lottery and his Teva and everything like that? Give a little flip, override switch, that's the end of Teva. And that's what a Kaddish Baruch did to Hamalek. But what is it a result of? When does a Kaddish Baruch do that? How is a Kaddish Baruch take care of us in the Teva? How is the Rashkach Abratis? To the Kayach HaTzfila. And that's truthfully, if you look in the Midrashim, that is how the whole Mesa firm came about also, only through the Kayach HaTzfila. Nothing else at all. There's no Ishtadus, nothing at all. Only through the Kayach HaTzfila. Because in the world of Teva, yes, HaKadosh Baruch takes care of us. You want to know Ayesh Hashem Bekirbeinu? Hashem is here. Amalek comes and fights against us, and HaKadosh Baruch teaches us how to survive in the world of Teva. How do we accomplish Nisim Nistarim? Through our Tzfila. Like I told you, the first two Prakim of the Megillah took seven years. No one knew what was going on. How long did the next uh, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh parrot take? Three days. Three days. Why? 
All of a sudden, Malachim start appearing. Esther is about to faint. One Malach lifts her up. The other Malach puts a chesed over her. Uh, Achashverosh is about to kill her. The Malach takes the scepter and makes sure that she's okay. Karvayna, some say it was Eliyahu Navi was a Malach. Where are these Malachim coming from? No one ever saw them. They were there. This is all Nister. Kayach HaTfila of Kla Yisrael. And that's the lesson of Purim, that there's Nisim Nistarim. So now, if Kla Yisrael had a problem in the times of the Midbar, that they heard about Nisim Guyim, but they had a problem, Ayesh Hashem Bekerbeinuim Oyen, so it has to go the opposite way now. First we have to know about a Kaddish Baruch Hu and Ashgach HaPratis. That's why Purim comes first. We have to know Kaddish Baruch Hu because this is the way things are supposed to be. Then if we now believe and we're strong in our Amunah of Purim, now we can move and learn about when a Kaddish Baruch Hu at times changes the Teva and makes Nisim Gluyim. But if we only have a Pesach first and we're able to be Mechazek and Nisim Gluyim, we're still not so sure about daily life. Hayesh Hashem Bekerbeinu Amayim. That was Klai Yisrael's problem. So you first need a solid Purim. And you have a solid Purim. And that lesson carries itself now to Pesach. You have Smicha, Gulula, Gulula. Those two Chizukim, that package deal of the Purim Pesach being 30 days apart is such a Chizuk and Amunah to the entire whole of a person. And hopefully... It makes the person grow in their amuna, in the belief in Ashkafa Pratis, in the Kayach Hatzfila, that is so much stronger, like we started off, than even Zrizim Akdimim Amitzvahs. What a person could come out with after a Pesach, if the Pesach is continuation of Purim, is so strong and so chashev, could be an entirely different person on the other side of Pesach, and that's, I think, the connection between the two goals.